You've heard of Rosa Parks, but have you heard of Claudette Colvin? She was the first to refuse to give up her bus seat nine months before Rosa Parks, and she was just 15 years young. We'll go into detail of her life and this extremely courageous act on this episode of Technically a Conversation. Super friends, welcome to another episode of Technically a Conversation. Here, we like to share an interesting topic with each other, which we've recently learned, and hope you find it interesting too. I'm one half of your host, Cicela. Joining me as always is Jose. How are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. How was your week? It was pretty good. How about yours? I learned how to, I relearned how to cross or how to multiply uh, polynomials. So that was fun. Oh, wow. You heard my woes about that. That was the excitement of the week. (laughs) To be honest with you, I don't even remember what a polynomial is. So you're already one step ahead of me. Well, yes, I don't want to brag or anything. (laughs) (laughs) We finally got James Gunn's big elaborate plan. So far, it looks like he's going to be writing the Superman movie and some type of cartoon. And he also ended up canceling Pennyworth, which I know we both liked. So... Oh, that was the last one, the last show standing. Oh, (laughs) it was a really good show. I liked it. Oh, that sucks. I think the last show standing is Superman and Lois, but I don't think that either of us should give him any ideas. I think he just forgot about that show or he would have canceled it too. (laughs) It's under his radar. Good. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. Well, okay. I really liked Peacemaker. I know you did not. So I'm hopeful. I guess you are not. (laughs) I am not. I'll probably have to wait until it's streaming on HBO Max. Yeah, sure. That's that's fair. But see how cool? You will check it out. There you go. That's great. There's no way I cannot check out a Superman movie, but I think I will be fearful the entire time that it, it's going to be riddled with idiotic jokes. It might be like Black Adam where you expect the worst and then at the end you're like, hey, it was actually not that bad. And I have to admit, I rewatched Black Adam on Sunday. And I think I liked it more the second time. Oh, that is definitely not, uh, what is it, like the law of diminishing returns? That's a, okay, cool. That's awesome. (laughs) I think I accepted the fact that it wasn't a Black Adam movie. It was a rock movie. And it just so happened that he was playing Black Adam. And I think after I accepted that, I think I I enjoyed it more. But you know what? Um, More than that, it didn't have a lot of really goofy jokes. There were a couple that were kind of cringe, but for the most part, It was a pretty serious movie. And the jokes that were there, they were effective. Yeah, they were sparse, but effective. I I would say that's true. Yeah. You know what time it is? Coffee time? No, it's shout out time. It's shout out time. I'm going to change up the song. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This is a fun list we got going on here. The Queens, Elena and Erica, the Duke, Stephen B, Mrs. Elba, Antonio Z, Crystal C, ContraZoom Pod Podcast, and last but not least, Tales from the Dark Road Podcast. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Thank you guys so, so much for sharing our posts. Thank you. It's not a secret that our history books have left out a ton. I'm sure you could agree with that. Really? I thought that they're pretty <laughs> thorough. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. I know. 
(laughs) (laughs) We're going to do our part and right some wrongs during Black History Month. And you know me, I like to shine a light on people with amazing stories. Let's start out like a game show, shall we? Let's do it. Name that female civil rights activist who refused to give up her seat on a bus in Montgomery, Alabama. Rosa Parks. Ding, ding, ding. Yes, but who was the first woman to refuse to give up her seat on a bus in Montgomery, Alabama? I always thought it was Rosa Parks. I know. I did, too, for a long time until I found out about this lady. Nine months before Rosa Parks, the first lady to refuse to give up her seat on the bus was Claudette Colvin. And get this, Jose, she was only 15 years young. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. We're getting into her story, the brave decision she took. The first half, we're going to talk about her, really her life story. And then the second half, we're going to talk about her brave decision that she took and how it went down. Cool? Like your plan. Awesome. So this young woman took a look at racism straight in the eyes, into its ugly eyes. (laughs) And she took a stand by not standing up. This all comes from her book, Claudette Colvin, Twice Towards Justice. I'm telling y'all, her personality jumps off the pages of her book. It is super cute. It's smart. It's witty. At least her personality, I mean. There's a lot of awful things, of course, that happened, uh, you know, you know what time they were living through. So, of course, it's not that part's not cute. But she was just such a cute young woman. I fell in love with who she was. And uh, we're going to listen to a clip. She has such a great spirit. Around the age of 15, do you remember standing up for anything? Maybe something that was you like a deep conviction? Not at 15. I think at 15, I was still very much a person that kind of went with the flow. I agree. I don't think I stood up for anything at 15. I was just, I don't know, that could be part of our uh, white privilege or, you know, maybe the privilege of being a minority in a city that the minority is the majority. Yeah. But in my defense, I've never really been a crazy rebel rouser either. So what? When I think a rebel, I think a Jose. <laughs> That's life. Don't let my appearance fool you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so let's get to know Claudette. Born September 9th, 1959, Claudette grew up striving to always do good in school. She knew her parents only went up to school to the sixth grade. Therefore, she knew this was something she really wanted to take advantage of and continue learning and growing. She grew up going to church also, and she couldn't help but question, God loves everyone. Why did he curse just us? That part kind of broke my heart, to be perfectly honest, but that was in uh, the beginning of one of her chapters. When she was about four years old, she stood in line at the general store when older white boys had cut in line in front of her. They harassed her repeatedly saying, let me see. And the other boys would saying the same thing. Let me say, let me see too. For some reason, they wanted to see her hands. Claudette held up her hands, palms up and out. One of the boys put his hands up against hers and the white boys doubled over laughing. Claudette's mom noticed and the white boy's mom was also watching. Claudette's mom walked straight over to deliver a hard backslap to Claudette's little face, warning her, Don't you know you're not supposed to touch them? And the white boy's mom added, that's right. This is how she learned she was never supposed to touch a white person. Damn. Yeah, right? Isn't that fucking awful? Yeah, that's super fucked up. 
That's a hard lesson. I like, come on, we're minorities too. We we got black, we got backhand slaps as well, but fuck, that's heartbreaking. <laughs> Again, it's just, uh, it puts you straight into how she grew up for sure. Yeah, definitely. But she was full of wonder and very intellectually curious, pondered questions like, was Japan like China? And wouldn't Easter be on Monday if he arose three days after the Friday crucifixion of Good Friday? Okay, Jose, you went to a Catholic school. Did you ever think about this last one? I think I questioned everything that they taught us in Catholic schools. (laughs) Yes. I think that's why I'm the way that I am now. There were a lot of things that just didn't make sense. There's things that still don't make sense to this day. For sure. I hate to admit it, though. It wasn't until I read this book a second time around that I caught this. I was like, oh, my God, that's true. I didn't think about it. There's a lot of things we just take for you know, for gospel, I guess, for like the pun, (laughs) pun intended. And we never question it. That was one of those things I never questioned either. It's funny that she had to bring it up for me to think about that. But you know what? I think there's people that they, they take into consideration time differently. Cause I know like with my mom, when she counts days, she counts, including that day. So if you were to say Friday and count Friday, that's day one, Saturday is day two, Sunday is day three. And I know sometimes like when she's telling us shit, she confuses us because she's like, oh, yeah, you get paid every 15 days. And it's like, no, it's actually like every 14 days. Or she'll say like, oh, yeah, I'll see you again in eight days. And it's like, no, it's actually only seven days. (laughs) That's so funny. You have to do like that mom math. Yeah, because for her, she counts that like today she counts as she counts it as day one. And I was like, mom, there's not eight days in a week because she'll she'll say something. There's there's a a saying that says. like something like every eight days. And we're like, what's the eighth day? You know, like we'll tell her the days of the week. <laughs> That's funny. That's just the way that she was brought up. So she'll say a week is eight days and two weeks is 15 days. So that still doesn't make sense either because now you're mixing the other day because it, it would be 16 days if it was eight days. I don't know. It, just, it is very crazy math, mom. Mom math. <laughs> that does make sense, though, because I remember my mom saying to me in Spanish, tú quieres salir cada ocho días, which means you want to go out every eight days. Like every Saturday was like when I would go out and I'd be like, well, yeah, it's Saturday. <laughs> this is party day, of course. <laughs> but eight days that, yeah, that math didn't add up. Even the Beatles would say eight days a week. Eight days a week. Yeah, that's a great song. Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, they were practicing weird mom math also. Yeah, look at that. (laughs) (laughs) So other than reading and church, she also did enjoy going to downtown Montgomery to look at the stores. It also made her angry, though, because blacks weren't even allowed to try anything on. The salesperson would measure Claudette, then retrieve the dress that would fit. When her younger sister and her needed new shoes, her mom would go to the store with a cutout of the outline of their feet on a brown paper bag. Hats were also not even allowed to be tried on, stating their hair was too greasy. All of that is fucking awful. It is so frustrating to read this, and I'm so glad that at least that part is definitely better. But wow, that's heartbreaking to hear, right? That is awful. Yeah. Although I wouldn't mind somebody measuring me and bringing me the exact clothes that would fit me, because I hate going into dressing rooms. That's true. It could be space or time saving for for a little bit. Yeah. But that's half the fun. You're like taking pictures. Wait, does this look good? (laughs) Yeah, I'm a guy. I don't do that. Damn it. Okay. It's kind of fun. It's liberating. 
You should try it. I want to be in and out as quickly as possible. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Claudette recalls the sales lady playing dumb when she was pointing at the hat she wanted. The sales lady kept bringing the wrong one. The sales lady even asked, why don't you want this hat? Claudette's patience had run out and she quipped, because my ears don't stick out like yours. Oh, yes. <laughs> I love this girl. I'm telling you. Speaking up and speaking out. Her mom did not think that was cute and they left the store immediately. This reminded me of the many times probably that your mom probably pulled your ear and like took you in a direction. Not my mom, but my dad would normally take me out of a store in Coscorrones. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> That's funny. I definitely got steered in directions by the ear. Yeah, no, Coscorrones, like when they hit you on, on the head with, the, with your knuckles, it's like a really sharp, intense hit. And uh, I don't even think of my, my dad would care if the cameras were looking at him or not. I've seen like some parents like... They kind of turn their backs to the camera so that that way the camera doesn't catch them hitting their kid. I don't think my dad cared. I think my dad showed off in front of the security cameras. <laughs> oh my God, that's awful. Wow. I don't think I had all of that. It was very like, when do we get home? And it was true. It was like Chancla City. They would throw all kinds of shoes. <laughs> For me, it was cintarazos, belt whipping. Oh, shoot. Yeah. We got those too, but very rarely. That's how I learned to count. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So back to Claudette. Uh, unfortunately, her life did not get any better after that, uh, you know, age of like 10 or so when they were going to the stores and stuff like that. Claudette's little sister died from polio on her 13th birthday, on Claudette's 13th birthday. Understandably, this made her question her faith, asking, why would God take her sister? Although it did make her question her faith, she never lost it. Claudette started to get involved with activism after one of her high school classmates was arrested on false charges. Of course, her classmate was black. And facing the electric chair. This opened her eyes to racism and prejudice. This terrible shit happened to her classmate. And yet these other girls were talking about having, quote unquote, good hair, which, by the way, she felt leaving it natural signal to others. She felt just as pretty as the others with their natural hair. So she stopped straightening her hair after a while. I think that's great because she didn't feel she had to conform to a white person's hair in order to feel pretty. I agree with her. That's why I stopped straightening my hair also. You never straightened her hair. <laughs> be quiet. <laughs> yeah. No, and obviously, even to this day, in general, women put a lot of stock into what women should look like. And I really do feel like Beautiful comes in all hair textures. And sadly, this is, like I said, still a conversation today. No, definitely. I was just joking about that. But yeah, no, I, I think people have to embrace their natural beauty more. Yeah, I'm totally for it. I'm glad you said that. This wrongful conviction gave Claudette even more determination to learn more about her rights. Thankfully, she had a literature teacher that taught them the Constitution, Articles of Confederation, balancing it with learning Hawthorne and Edgar Allan Poe. What an awesome teacher. Yeah, I loved Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, for sure. That was pretty dark. Yeah, I liked him. He was a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> to say life was appalling back then is an understatement, but let's paint a fuller picture. Everything was separate. Arrows everywhere telling them where to go. Everything was not equal. 
maids got three quarters of what white maids made, and there were only job opportunities for unskilled labor. There were only two options, just preaching and teaching. And let's be very clear, this is basically to keep the races separate and to be brought up with the younger white generation with a learned hate. This was also systematically how Black people were ensured to stay poor. Racism showed up in the most subtle ways, like not even being able to have Mr. or Mrs. on their mail. That messed up. Yeah. There was little to no way families could save up for a vehicle. Hence, the bus was a lifeline for the Black community to get to school and to work. There weren't separate buses, therefore the seating was separated. Whites were in front and Blacks had to sit in the back. All meant to show this false superiority or inferiority, whichever way you look at it. Everything about the bus ride was awful. Bus riders would go in, pay their fare, but Blacks would have to exit the bus after they got on to pay the fare. They'd have to get back on the bus going through the back door. Only if there were no white people on the bus were they allowed to walk straight to the back and take their seat through the front door. Did you know that? I didn't. I didn't either. I thought that was so humiliating and awful. If all the seats in the black designated section were taken, blacks were expected to stand, even if there were no white bus riders. It didn't matter if they were pregnant, holding on to their children, groceries, or both. The city bus ordinance since the 1900s stated no bus rider had to give up a seat if another seat was available. No shocker that drivers ignored that and would make blacks move when a driver told them to. Let's cut to a commercial here, but when we return, we'll hear all about how she took the decision that would change the lives of so many people. Hey listeners, my name is Kayla and I am the creator and host of a new podcast called Dark Tales from the Road. We cover true crime, spooky, creepy, and ghostly stories, and I want to take you state by state and country by country to bring you stories you may not have even heard of before, and also learn some history on the city and the state where it takes place. So join me on the road as we discover dark tales. New episodes are posted every Wednesday. I have an Instagram, Facebook, and a Patreon, all at Dark Tales from the Road. Thank you so much, and I hope everyone has a great day. We have an active shooter. We have an active shooter inside the warehouse. Welcome to Active Shooter, a podcast that covers the whys, the hows, and the aftermath of active shooter events. We will delve into the lives interrupted by domestic terrorists. We will investigate the background of the shooter and together discuss ways in which they can be stopped or even prevented in the future. We will also discuss the failures of our mental health system. They have an active shooter in the building. A second call says they uh, are being attacked. I've been shot. 1692 means we got shots fired. 415 ASL. Route 91 sounded like an automatic firearm. But to be shots fired. We will look at the media responses and discover together how they may have inadvertently inspired and contributed to the rise of the mass shootings. Active shooter, reports of an active shooter, active shooter, active shooter of mass casualty incidents. This is not a political podcast, nor a podcast about gun control. 
this is a podcast that studies the psychology behind active shooters and how and why they make the decisions they have made to take the lives of innocent people. Welcome to Active Shooter. Thank you for listening. And we're back. How was your break? Pretty good. How was yours? It was pretty lovely. Just hung out and kept stretching. Do you have a sore back or muscle aches or something? I think I slept wrong. I do have like on my left hand side, but yeah, it's kind of going away. With every dance move I make, it's going away. (laughs) Anyway. I'll forgive you for not doing the worm this time. Oh my gosh, please. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So kind. So this brings us to March 2nd, 1955, when it all went down. Students were let out early from school that day due to a faculty meeting. She and a few of her friends got on the bus and they sat together. With each stop, it started to fill up. The first four rows were soon taken. A white woman got on the bus, walked straight up to Claudette and her friends. Her friends quickly got up and they moved further back. Claudette did not get up. She was seated in the black area. She wasn't doing anything wrong. She knew the law. And it said she didn't have to give up her seat if an available seat was there. Further, Claudette did say if she was an elderly woman, she would have gotten up. But this was not the case. Plus, remember, it was March 2nd and Claudette had just spent the whole month of February learning about other African-American historical leaders who had all taken stance. The bus driver demanded that she get up. When Claudette saw the white woman wanted the whole row to herself, She decided she simply was not going to take it anymore. When the bus driver once again said, give me that seat, a different white bus rider yelled, you got to get up. And a rider from the back supportively yelled back, she ain't got to do nothing but stay black and die. Claudette simply stayed quiet and stayed put. The driver was visibly angry by her lack of response. This is why on a subsequent Bus stop, the driver got the attention of police and they got them to remove Claudette from her seat forcibly. One of the two police officers asked assumingly, aren't you going to get up? And she just nicely replied, no, sir. They quickly grabbed her, forced her off the bus. Claudette admitted she was much too smart to fight back and she just went limp while repeating, it's my constitutional right to sit here. The police officer handcuffed her and the other kicked her and they put her in the back of the car. One jumped in the back seat with her and he called her the N-word bitch, a whore, commented on her bra size. Just fucking soulless stuff, basically. Sorry about the F-bomb. <laughs> so things haven't changed that much since the 1960s, especially when it comes to the way that the police treat minorities. Yeah, Absolutely. Although she was crying, she did feel proud for standing up for herself, standing up for her community as well. There were some people patting her on the back and other kids weren't allowed to speak to her again because their parents said that she was a quote unquote troublemaker. But this was at John Lewis Good Trouble. In a 2015 special event, 
at Boston College, she was the speaker where she reflected on that very moment where she was expected to get up. Everyone was dying to know what was running through her thoughts. Let's take a listen. And I remained seated. And they said, well, why did you remain seated? I remained seated because I told them, history had me glued to the seat. So that day I said, you know what it felt like? It felt like I was standing in the midst in the spirit of two women. One was Harriet Tubman, pushing me down on one shoulder with her hands, and so John Truth for pushing me down with her hands on the other shoulder. And that's why I was glued to the seat. Is she not like the cutest ever? Yeah. I love her personality. She was like smiling. Uh, hopefully you guys get to watch the YouTube if people have time. But oh man, she was she was still a very positive and or she is still thank thank god i think she she's still alive but very positive still despite going through all of that you know and that is very remarkable because i feel had i gone through something like that i wouldn't be as positive i think i would be a lot more bitter and a lot more upset about it and who could blame you after all of that you know i completely agree this immensely courageous act kicked off the montgomery bus boycott in 1955 the reverend at her church that her family attended, bailed her out of jail. He said that she brought the revolution to Montgomery, and she certainly did. She was charged with assaulting an officer, disrupting the peace, and breaking segregation law. The last two were dropped after the help of an outstanding attorney for the NAACP. As expected, the media, which was white, used adjectives like emotional, uncontrollable, feisty to describe Claudette. The bravery did not end there, though. Shortly later, she went to be one of four women in a co Supreme Court case that successfully overturned bus segregation laws in Montgomery, Alabama. Do you hear what I'm saying? This is huge. That's amazing. And at that time, she was only 16 years old. Wow. Yeah. Several other women refused to give up their seat after Claudette. However, they were just fined, which begs the question. Why was Rosa Parks the one we know so famously? In a 2009 NPR article, Claudette stated, and this is in quotes, NAACP and other black organizations felt Parks would be a good icon because she was an adult. She added, she had the right hair, she had the right skin, and as the secretary of the NAACP, Parks was very well respected. Whereas Claudette was viewed as an emotional young lady who right after her arrest became pregnant, which was viewed as an inappropriate symbol. Claudette did meet Rosa Parks later, and Rosa Parks even said, you're Claudette Kaufman? Oh my God. <laughs> she explained she must have expected, and this was in quotes also, a big, big old burly overgrown teenager who sassed out white people. <laughs> But she was skinny and short with glasses, and it just sounds like not at all what she was expecting. What she did that day, standing up for herself and her whole community behind her, was incredibly courageous, to say the very least. In fact, I think, honestly, this is one of the many reasons why even we as minorities feel less threatened today about speaking up about other injustices. This brave young woman's fight was so inspirational proof to not count out how impactful our younger generation can be too. So what are your thoughts on this story? It is very inspirational for sure. 
in a way, I kind of feel bad for her because I feel like Rosa Parks is the one that gets all the credit. I mean, I can kind of see why the NAACP would want somebody that would meet the criteria, I guess, that they had for you know representing their cause. But I feel that Claudette should have, should be the one that's taught in history books because I had never I had never heard of her up, up until today. Yeah, I think it's an amazing story. I really do hope everybody finds out about it. And not to take away from Rosa Parks, I mean, she still did a courageous act. I, it still is today. I feel like you you can't speak up against cops today. Are you kidding? It's still a life or death situation for any minority, especially back then. You know, anybody who did that, I think, was amazing. But for a 15-year-old, that's really amazing. Yeah, definitely, for sure. She she had a lot of, um, well, I don't want to say she had a lot of balls, because I think that's kind of fucked up to say, but... yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah. She had a lot of gumption. There you go. Yes. I absolutely agree. Do you remember any times that you were standing up for yourself, uh, maybe fairly young or just the first time you remember standing up for yourself? I don't. I tend not to be somebody that reminisces on stuff a lot. I think that might be one of the reasons that my memory kind of sucks because I'm not the type of person that is very introspective, I guess. So I don't really think about stuff like that. I'm sure I have. I'm sure there were times that I've stood up for other people, but there's not one thing that comes to mind. I was thinking though, because I know that here in El Paso, I know you were saying that we had white privilege, which I disagree with, but I know here in El Paso, it was very um, segregated before. I want to say El Paso High was the school that was designated for the white kids and Austin was where the Mexican kids went. But I'm not sure if um, the buses were like that too. It got me thinking... I wonder if they also had something in place like that for, for Mexicans where they had to stand up or they had to ride in the back of the bus. That I've never heard of, but I, I do know that there were several schools. Um, I think even the the one that was renamed recently that was named after um, General Lee, I think that one was a school for, for Mexican kids and um, they weren't even taught by teachers. They were taught by other high school kids, which was uh, kind of weird. So it just got me to think about a lot of things here in El Paso, how that segregation worked. Yeah, that's uh, that's really sad if we didn't even have teachers. That's sad. I want to say that was that school, but um, I, I don't remember. It's been a long time since I read that. I also particularly liked this story because it still talked about how she found beauty, like we had mentioned, in her own natural self. And I think that's awesome. I think people, like you said, should embrace that a little bit more. We have an awesome friend of the show, the Genster. She rocks her afro. Ama- it looks awesome every time. Of course, she does, you know, other things to it too, which is really cool. But I so love that she has embraced. I mean, she's always done the natural hair, and I think she looks fucking fantastic. Yeah, I agree. I think it looks great. Yeah, great. All right. So, any last thoughts before we wrap this up? No, not really. It's just it's remarkable that you know this wasn't that long ago. A lot of the people that, um, well, I mean, sadly, every year we lose more of them, but a lot of the people that stood up during the civil rights movement, a lot of those were, are still alive today. You know, it seems like it's something that was so long ago. And I think even when, when I did the um, the uh, a podcast about the Black Panthers, um, I want to say one of them is still alive. Uh, you know how it was the two founders? Yes. Um, I want to say one of them is still alive to this day. So, you know, it seems like something that happened so long ago. It's something that most of us probably listening to this podcast, since our demographics are kind of young, something that most of us never really experienced, you know, having to 
go to segregated places and everything. You know, it's really astonishing that there were so many people that were willing to be outspoken and were willing to stand up so that all of us could have a better life now. Yeah, absolutely. Which I think kills me when people don't take advantage of voting because here these people are just trying to ride a bus and, you know, and fight for their rights to vote. And people died for that. And people just like, you know, the young kids these days, I think are the youngest, gen the younger generation is definitely showing out more. But I feel like maybe our generation is not as into voting as they should be. I'm like, do you know how much sacrifice had to happen? You know, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of shameful, really. For sure. I know us uh, Gen Xers, I think we're a very cynical generation. So we kind of, I don't want to say we took that for granted, but we kind of saw it as what's the point. And I'm glad that a lot of the Gen Z and millennials, they are showing up to the polls. They are showing up to vote. That is something very admirable. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Well, congratulations, lovelies. You've done it again, folks. You've learned along with us an inspirational story of a young woman standing up for what's right. We hope you've been entertained by our chat and invite you to join us again next week. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review, tell a friend, and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. Yeah. Follow us on all the socials. Greetings, T-A-C. Email us at greetingstac at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 915-317-6669 if you have a story to share with us or if you just want to say hello. It's been a while since we've gotten some love on our voicemail, so I think it's about time somebody calls in. Right. Just just give us a ring, y'all. Ring-a-ding-ding, as you would say. <laughs> you know me too well. Who was the first woman to give up her seat? It was not Rosa Parks. Did you know that? Well, she didn't give up her seat. Right. But who was a, the first woman to not give up her seat? Oh, Oh, did I say that wrong? Yeah, you had said who was the first person to give up their seat. And I was like, well... I'll say that again. <laughs> They're going to be like, this shit girl doesn't know shit. Okay. What I meant to say was, but who was the first woman to give up her seat on a bus in Montgomery, Alabama? She was the first person not to give up her seat. You said it again. Who was the first person to give up her seat on a bus? Ah, <laughs> Really? You said it again. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. That's fine.